Welcome to Didache, where we are studying to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here is your host, Justin Peters. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Justin Peters. I hope that you and your family are doing very well today. I want to thank you for tuning in and listening to this, the second installment of my brand new podcast entitled Didache. And Didache is the Greek word for doctrine or teaching. And as the name implies, we will be spending our time together talking about doctrine, talking about theology with the purpose of knowing God better, deepening our knowledge of God so that we can deepen our love for God. And in my inaugural installment of the Dedicate podcast last week, I just gave a brief introduction to myself and my overall doctrinal framework. And so just kind of a, hey, how you doing? Meet and greet kind of thing. And so today what I'd like us to do is is begin to lay just a little bit of kind of basic groundwork before we get into some uh, deeper things. But um, talk about some basic terms here as it deals with the Bible, and then we will get into um, uh, more biblical matters and and more doctrine and theology. So uh, let's talk first today about revelation and what revelation is. And when I say revelation, I don't mean in this context, the book of Revelation, but rather the process of Revelation. And Revelation is something that is widely misunderstood by people. And I'm going to talk about Revelation and also illumination because these two terms are are often confused. So Revelation is the act of God by which he discloses to man information that is a- unknowable, and B, has not yet been revealed. Okay, The process by which God reveals to man information that is unknowable apart from God, in other words, this information is is not knowable, it is unknowable apart from, from God's act, and information that up to that point of revelation has not been known before. So God revealing something new that is new at the point of the revelation. Okay, so revelation is not happening anymore today. Revelation has been completed. God is not revealing anything new to anyone that he has not already revealed in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the complete revelation of God. God has fully revealed himself. Jesus uh, has exegeted the Father, if you will. God has revealed everything there is to know. Well, not everything there is to know, but everything that he desires us to know about him. Uh, He is revealed in his son, Jesus Christ, and we have a perfect uh, record of that in the scriptures. So that's what revelation is. Illumination is the process by which the Holy Spirit of God illumines the mind of the believer to the meaning of what is already written in Scripture. Okay, That's illumination. Um, For example, all of us as Christians, we can give testimony to 
times of reading the Bible and maybe we're reading a passage that we've read many times before or we've heard many times before, never really understood, but all of a sudden the light comes on. All of a sudden we have that aha moment. It's like, oh, that's what that means. That's illumination. So uh, illumination should be happening today in the life of us as believers. Revelation, no. So when you hear someone say, oh, well, God give, really gave me revelation on that. And no, he, he didn't actually. He didn't give you revelation. What probably happened, what you're probably trying to describe is illumination. And um, uh, there's been several times, of course, uh, like that for me. Uh, 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 one of them that sticks out in my mind, uh, Mark chapter 10, the rich young ruler. And I don't have this in front of me. I'll just kind of summarize it here. But the rich young ruler runs up to Jesus and he kneels down before him and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus' response to him uh, was rather curious. Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God. And uh, for years and years, this was, of course, this was really before my conversion, but I, I always scratched my head at that because being raised in church, or reared in church, I should say, uh, I'd always been taught that, of course, Jesus is God and Jesus is good. So it, it was a head-scratcher to me as to why Jesus would call into question his own goodness and say that it's only God who is good. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And uh, But then the proverbial light came on. Um, of course, this was many, many years ago, but uh, the proverbial light came on and there's like, oh, Jesus was not correcting him. Jesus was leading him. Jesus was saying, basically, okay, so you, you call me good. You're right. But why? Why do you call me good? Do you, do you call me good because you think I'm just a good teacher who teaches some nice things and does some nice things for people. Is that why you think I'm good? Or do you call me good because you understand what you're saying? That I am good because I am God. He was not correcting him. He was leading him. He was affirming his deity. And so that's just one of many kind of light bulb moments. Uh, that's illumination. That is that should be happening in the lives of us as believers today. Revelation, no. Illumination, yes. Okay, so uh, let's talk a little bit about revelation. This is God revealing himself uh, in revealing information that up until that point has not been known and is unknowable apart from God. Now, there's two different branches of revelation. The first of these is natural revelation. And natural revelation is God revealing himself to man through the created order. And natural revelation, of course, is, is just always there. And I, I suppose you could say whenever someone is born and they grow up a little bit and they at least get to the age where they can kind of be aware of their surroundings, they can look around and they can see things and start to make sense at least a little bit, you know, as, as, a, as a young child. Uh, this is this is natural revelation. You can look around and you can look at the created order and understand that there is a creator. Because there is a creation, there must be a creator. And one of the key texts for natural revelation is Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, 
Romans 1, 18 through 20, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived, being understood by what has been made, so that they are without excuse. They are without excuse. This is natural revelation. God has revealed himself in the created order, and man is without excuse. In other words, you can look at the created order. I mean, look at look at the world. Look at the, the design of, of the created order. And it screams that there is a creation. The Milky Way galaxy, 100,000 light years across. Light traveling at 186,000 miles per second takes 100,000 years to make it across just our Milky Way galaxy. And our Milky Way galaxy is one of, we don't even know how many galaxies. It's full of, it's, it's got a hundred billion stars just in our galaxy. And there are probably t- trillions of galaxies. I mean, I mean, the human mind cannot comprehend that kind of enor- enormity. Uh, look at the, just the created order here on our planet. And you look at the plants and the animals and our own bodies and how we're created and designed. And it screams that there is a creator. There is a creation. There must be a create, a creator. And, um, what this text is saying, uh, bring your attention to this phrase in verse 18. It says, uh, people who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. I know that there are people who call themselves atheists, Christopher Hitchens, Richard Dawkins, um, you know, some of those well-known names that, that people claim to be atheists and write books about it, you know, God delusion and all this kind of stuff. Um, there's no such thing as an atheist. There is no such an animal as an atheist. Atheists do not exist. And I don't care who you're talking about. I don't care if you've got the most ardent, vocal, outspoken atheist that there is. When his head hits the pillow at night and he is left to his own thoughts, he knows there's a creator. He knows that. It's not that he doesn't know the truth. It is that he is suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. The truth is there. It has been revealed to him through the created order. He knows there's a creator. There must be. It is the height of absurdity to say that nothing created everything. It is especially now in the day and age in which we live. I mean, it was bad enough. I mean, bad enough. You you, you had plenty of evidence uh, before the modern inventions of the telescope and the microscope where we could can see out into the deep into space with telescopes and, and peer into microscopic structures of cells in, with microscopes. Before those inventions, you had plenty of evidence. Now uh, that we can peer out into space and we can and look into the 
intricate structures of single cells and see mitochondria and uh, endoplasmic reticulum and um, you know uh, all all of these structures within cells and the nucleus and DNA and um, RNA, messenger RNA, all these things, the, the, the dizzying, dizzying complexity of a cell and see how all of these parts must be together all at the same time functioning together for a single cell to to live, to, to be able to exist and operate. Um, there is certainly no excuse now. And so when Christopher Hitchens or Richard Dawkins, I guess Hitchens is dead, but anyway, when one of these atheists, his head, he, well, he certainly knows now because he's, he's, well, he's his body is dead, but he's, um, he's suffering the wrath of God in hell, barring some deathbed conversion of which none of us are aware. But uh, when an atheist head hits the pillow at night and he's left to his own thoughts, he knows his conscience screams to him that there is a creator. It's not that he doesn't know the truth. It is that he is suppressing the truth in unrighteousness, suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. A picture there. Think of uh, being in a swimming pool and you've got a beach ball and you're trying to hold that beach ball underneath the water. And that beach ball is constantly wanting to do what? It's wanting to pop back up, right? And so you've got to struggle. You've got to You've got to use both hands, both arms to try to keep that beach ball underwater. And it just keeps wanting to roll and pop up, up to the surface. Well, that's the picture. Uh, that's what atheists are trying to do. They're trying to suppress the beach ball of God's truth, suppress it in unrighteousness. It's not that they don't know it's there. It's not that they don't know it's real. They do, but they're suppressing it. They're keeping it down because they... They understand that if they acknowledge that there is a creator, then they acknowledge that we owe him everything and he demands our obedience. We owe him our obedience and that's what they don't want. They don't want to be accountable. They don't want to answer to anyone. They want to be their own God. It's not that they don't know God is there. They do. They just want to be their own God. They suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And so um, anytime you may get in a conversation with an atheist, uh, you can look that person in the eye and say, state with confidence, you're not an atheist. You're not. <laughs> and I've watched a lot of uh, videos on YouTube of, of atheists, you know, and uh, a, a number of them. And uh, I can, I, if, if I was with them in person, I would look them straight in the eye and say, friend, you're, you're not an atheist. I know you claim to be, but you're not. And you know you're not. And I could say that without batting an eye. So, uh, natural revelation. God reveals himself to man. And there are things that we can know about God through natural revelation. What can we, what are some of the things we can know about God? Well, we can know about God's divine nature because only God could create all of this created order. We can know about his divine nature. We can know that God is a God of organization. We can know that God is a God of extreme precision. Uh, I mean, just the, you've probably heard some of this, but just like the tilt of the earth on its axis, 
the exact 23 and one half degree tilt of the earth on its axis and the speed at which the earth rotates on its axis and revolves around the sun, the distance of the earth to the sun. Uh, we're in what's called the Goldilocks zone. If the earth was um, any closer or further away from the sun, uh, life would not be possible. The tilt of, if the earth did not tilt precisely on its axis at 23 and a half degrees, life would not be possible. If the moon was not the size that it is and the distance that it is away from the earth, all these things, um, life wouldn't be possible. God is a God of, of precision, uh, extreme precision. We, God is a God of wisdom. We can know through the natural revelation that God is wise. We can know that he is, that he has knowledge. Indeed, he has all knowledge, right? Because he's omniscient. We can know through natural revelation that God is a good God. Uh, we see the beauty of the created order. You know, God didn't have to make this planet as beautiful as, as it is. Now, granted, some places are more beautiful than others. And I've been all across this country. And I tell you, the folks in West Texas uh, some of the nicest, friendliest people you'd ever want to meet out there in West Texas. Um, pretty place to live? Nah, eh, not, <laughs> not so much. Uh, not so much. Uh, but, I mean, go up to, you know, the Cascades and the Rocky Mountains. And, uh, I mean, it, it's a beautiful, beautiful place to live. God has given us a beautiful creation to enjoy. Uh, a creation that that extols the grandeur of God. And uh, he's, he's kind, he's good. Uh, we can know all of these things from the created order, uh, the way that God has provided for us, uh, the, the animals. You know, look at a horse and how a horse is designed. I mean, a horse is tailor-made for people to sit on it and, and get around. And, you know, up until a 120 or so years ago, that's what everybody did. They got around on horses before automobiles, and a horse is just tailor-made for men to use and get around and go places. Uh, cows, you know, they're tailor-made to give us milk and meat and all these things. So uh, and God is an incredibly uh, kind and generous God. He's, he's provided for us. So all of these things you can know about natural revelation uh, through rather natural revelation uh, and we also through natural revelation as a component of that we each have a conscience let me read to you Romans chapter 2 14 through 15 Romans chapter 2 14 through 15 for when the Gentiles who do not have the law instinctively perform the requirements of the law these though not having the law are a law to themselves in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience testifying, and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. Each of us has a conscience, and this is exactly what Paul is saying right here. He's talking about the Gentiles, non-Jews, who did not have the law, the law of Moses. He says they are a law to themselves because... They have the work of the law written in their hearts, uh, in their conscience. In other words, look at the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not murder. Uh, even though the Gentiles were not given the Mosaic law, they still had that law written on their hearts. Um, you can go anywhere in the world today, in any culture, 
and people instinctively know that it is wrong to lie. You don't have to teach someone that it's wrong to lie. Conversely, you don't have to teach anyone how to lie either. And I, I, um, <laughs> I have a, a two-year-old granddaughter, and even though she's just two years old, you know what? She already knows how to lie. Nobody had to teach her how to do it. She just does it because she was born a little sinner. Uh, we all are, it, and and people instinctively know that it's wrong to lie. People instinctively know that it's wrong to steal. You don't have to teach somebody that it's wrong to do it. They just know that it is. And that's why people try to cover it up when they do things, when they lie, when they steal, when they commit adultery. They instinctively try to cover these things up because they know it's wrong. Uh, Our conscience informs us about the law of God. This is all a component of natural revelation or general revelation as it's sometimes referred to as well. So so what is the purpose of natural revelation, general revelation? What is the purpose of it? Uh, it makes us accountable. We are, as we read in Romans chapter 1, we are without excuse. We are without excuse. It makes man accountable. What it cannot do, however, is tell man how he can be saved from his sin. Natural revelation, general revelation, makes us accountable, but it is not sufficient to save us from our sin. That is special revelation. Special revelation is God revealing himself to man through miracles, through signs, through dreams, visions, theophanies, through the prophets, and ultimately and finally, through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Okay, and that is looking at our time. I think I'm going to wrap up there, and that is where we're going to begin in our next program here in just a couple of days, uh, special revelation. We're going to talk about what special revelation is. We're going to talk about miracles, signs, dreams, visions, theophanies. We're going to define all of these things and give examples of that. And then I think what we're going to do beginning next week is we're going to uh, give, I'm going to, give kind of an overview of the Bible, the different books of the Bible, the structure of it, and then we will begin an Old Testament survey, a survey of the Old Testament and then a survey of New Testament. That's kind of where I'm thinking we're headed over the next several weeks. Okay. All right, dear ones, thank you very much for joining me. Again, uh, we will also be doing some Q&A programs from time to time, so please do email me, justin at justinpeters.org. And just put something in the subject line of Q&A, podcast, something like that to kind of catch my attention. And I will collect those. And uh, from time to time, we will do a Q&A podcast. And uh, I know, I think you will enjoy that. I enjoy, I always enjoy Q&A sessions when I do, when I travel and preach and teach. So I've received a few from you already. So please do keep those coming and uh, we will get to those soon. All right. Thank you very much, dear ones. Until our next time together, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. If you have a question or comment for Justin, or interested in more teaching resources, or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference, you may contact him at justinpeters.org.